Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Climbing the Pocket Network brings you the original Climbing the Pocket live for the very first time. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, and I've got a picture in picture. Don't want that. Uh-uh. Now, today is day two of Vlogmas, where Climbing the Pocket Network is blog- or vlogging video every day of December. We're debuting some new shows, but we also have the original... The one and only Climbing the Pocket. But this is the first time that they're all going live on video, which is cool. Let's get live. And it's now to you, Jason. All right. Here we go. We are back. Big things here. Second day of Vlogmas. And we got the original, the OG crew for Climbing the Pocket back together once again. Let's waste no time. QB1, my man. JR, how you doing? How you been? What's going on, man? I've been good. Feels like it's been forever since we all been together. So happy to have the band all back together and discuss a lot of things that we've been talking about already. All right, let's do it. And uh, next up. It's only been 24 hours or so, but we're back here. <laughs> Wide receiver one. Clamps, how you doing, man? What up? Man, I'm good. It's Like you said, it's been 24 hours, so I'm just I'm just chilling, trying to control right. a, a toddler right now. Oh, good luck with that. Good luck with that. And uh, last, certainly not least, with the, the man, the myth, the sexy prince. Twist coming in, looking nice. Anthony Anderson is right around the corner. <laughs> How you doing, my man? <laughs> Funny, Jason. Uh, our intro music, music slaps. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to take full credit for for that. So that's all I, I got know, to say. Dave, Dave got in there, got in the lab, put a little extra sauce on, on your music. Oh, no, I have plenty of sauce, Jason. You know <laughs> All right, well, let's jump in. Like y'all said, it's been a little bit since we've been all here together, but we've been we've been chatting, we've been keeping up with things in the group message, and so there's a few things we got to talk about. Saxy Prince, you're first up, because uh, I think the last time you actually came on to record, Kirk might have played a really bad game, and and you know you have never been one to let an opportunity slide to uh, maybe throw a little shade at the Vikings quarterback. 
But, you know, Kirk, over the last couple years, has been playing pretty well. Right now, I believe he's the fifth best QB, according to PFF. Uh, Really, all of his statistics are top-notch. And so I want to know now, are you finally in a spot where you can maybe give a bit of credit to this Vikings quarterback and maybe acknowledge that, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is not as bad as you previously made him out to be. Maybe show him a bit of love as the quarterback of your favorite football team. I mean, if that's the standard for what we are, he's not as bad as I thought he was. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm giving him all the credit for playing better than a slightly above average quarterback. That's essentially been his career. Um, he has we're, played We're well. calling number five in the NFL slightly above average now? No, I'm saying I'm saying prior to, to how he's been performing with the Vikings, he was a slightly <laughs> above average quarterback. So, you know, again, I, I, I didn't want to give him that monster port, uh, monster contract because of the fact that he, <laughs> in my opinion, hadn't proved that he was that guy. Uh, I mean, but now that... You know, he's performing like a, a really nice quarterback, right? He, Like you said, he's top five in a lot of statistics. Uh, he's performing on top ten and a lot of the other ones that he's not in the top five. Um, so you can't necessarily say that um, he's performing poorly. But I think as as I think one should with uh, quarterbacks with the Minnesota Vikings is that we should always be optimistically cautious um, because at the end of the day, that indie game, that Atlanta game still exists. Um, even if he's played well over late, um, or even if you just look at aggregate over the course of the year, he, he's played mostly well. But again, those games still cause you a bit of concern, right? He still has, I think, parts to his game where you you question his ability. Um, you know, obviously he has the arm talent. Um, he has the accuracy down the field. You know, when you look at him from, you know, from an EPA standpoint, um, he's he's performing really, really well. But he's performing really, really well because of the fact that he has Justin Jefferson and and Adam Thielen with the explosive plays, right? Um, the Vikings are one of the top teams in the league on explosive plays. Um, but the problem is, is you have the other issues that, that still exist with Kirk Cousins. Um, it's great that he's discovered the ability to scramble, but how sustainable is that as it compares to having to face some of the tougher defenses in the league? You know the offensive line isn't going to stand up. He's still a robot in the pocket. Um, like I said, if, if the scrambling is still a thing, um, and that's actually something that he can actually do, have the Vikings game plan a way to you know, prevent him from completely getting destroyed when they beeline him on a naked boot? I mean, they love running the play action. So there I, are I so, feel like a lot of the things now that you're stretching to find or to blame Kirk for aren't really Kirk things. Like talking about the really? offensive line being not good no, there, isn't no, no, Kirk. So talking no. about the scheme not being good isn't really Kirk. No, I and think saying that he's helping the wide receivers perform, I mean, he's throwing them the football. No, but I think some of those are still concerns, right? Because again, yeah, we we it's easy to look at him from you know from. Uh, an average or maybe a play-to-play standpoint, but also situational is just as important, right? 
Um, because at the end of the day, those explosive plays are really, really great. They give you those high variances as far as his, his play goes, which is why he's performing so well. Um, but this this game was like the first game that I'm really just like, yo, I can really trust uh, – I could maybe trust this dude in in two-minute, but you don't want a huge variance when it comes to a guy like that in the two-minute. You want a guy who's going to consistently perform over and over again. Like that, said, that, but no one exists like that. That's actually not a thing. It's not a thing. It, but anyway, Miles, Miles put it, his hand it up. Is so a, he, it really my, is my, 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 my question about it is, so uh, Kirk, you, you're talking about the high variance plays, you know, the, the explosive plays. Um, but he's also leading the league in yards per attempt. And I think he's – if he's not the highest, he's up there in terms of yards per completion. So, like, yeah, some of the variance of the high, uh, explosive plays aren't always going to be there. But overall, he's averaging – he's leading the league in yards per attempt. That's like – that's one of the things that we've always harped on is stop checking the ball down, get the ball, push the, push the ball downfield a little bit more. And so when he's, he's starting to do that this year, like, and last year, even to a point, I don't know the exact numbers last year, but this year he leads the league in that, in that number. And that was always a concern for us. We always talked about, dude, stop checking it down on third and medium, third and long, you know, push the ball toward the sticks. He's doing that on a consistent basis and it's working. And, uh I'm just trying to figure out like where, where you're at in terms of like giving him some of those props because some of that stuff, he deserves some of that because he's balling right now. And like, you can't, it's hard to say otherwise. Like, yes, you can go back and talk about that Atlanta game. You can talk about the Indianapolis game. Indianapolis game was the worst game of the season. That's two games out of how many they played 11. Like overall, he's had a really good season. And that doesn't mean that like moving forward, I'm still not like, well, that, that doesn't mean they shouldn't look to draft a quarterback all those things, but currently right now, Kirk Cousins is balling, and he's the main reason that this team's even considered in a posi- position to be in a playoff position. Like, the defense isn't helping them out. It's him and the offense. So th- they wouldn't be 5-6 and six without Kirk Cousins right now, and that's a crazy thing to say. And I also understand they probably, you know, there's a couple games he helped them lose. That happens too. But, like, he's he's not at an MVP level, but, like, He's right below that, in my opinion. Like, he's close. Like, he's that's how well he's playing. I just don't know what else you need. So, so here's my here's my problem is, is well, yes, he's not Teddy. Uh, but here's my problem is, um, and this is this is the problem when we have these kind of conversations, right? Because we are, you know, Kirk has improved from, you know, when he came here in 2018 to now, right? Um, and that's great. But the, the problem is, is like this year is arguably, this is a, this is a better year than he played last year. And we're also talking about sample size, but we all, when we have these conversations, yeah, he's playing really, really good this year, right? He played decently last year, right? He played like a top 10 quarterback this year. He's probably playing closer to a top five quarterback this year. So he has improved, he right? He is playing like a top five but quarterback the problem, this year. The problem is the sample size is because we continue to want to, we want to keep, we want to keep holding up this hope that he's going to be able to maintain and sustain this level of play. And if anything, the data shows us that he can't more often than not, he ends up crumbling back to what he was until he does it the rest of the year in indie games. That, that's the issue because at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, Yinka, Yinka, what but, quarterback but, other than Patrick Mahomes doesn't have bad games. That's what, that, that's the thing. Like, how can you, like you can nitpick a lot of different things from any player. 
Like every player in the league's had a bad game. No, every single not, quarterback that, in the league has had a bad game. It's not just it's not just about it's not just Nick picking him about having bad games, right? It's about it's about getting him towards a point where when he actually does have a bad game, Kirk is very, very bad, right? And even when he's like average, he's just the offense isn't moving, right? Because again, we yes, we are talking basically what we're doing right now is we're talking about these extremes, right? Kirk Cousins on the extreme, he's probably playing on his extreme right now. He's playing very as well as he's going to play right now, right? And this, the the games that I quoted are his worst, worst games, right? And we don't have to worry about if Kirk is going to play at that level that he's been playing over the last couple of games, right? You don't have to worry about how he played against Carolina. Because if that's going to be him, if that's going to be him, then great, right? But there always is that concern that it is going to be an Indy type game. It is going to be an Atlanta type game. And that's that's where I come at when it comes to sample size about, yeah, he's playing as a top five quarterback right now. Is he going to sustain that? And those questions that I, I raise are serious ish, uh, concerns that I think you still have to keep in the front of your mind. <laughs> Jerome is Jerome in the back. house. Jerome's back. But but Chris, okay, so again, I'm just I'm just I need to pin you down on this because you keep talking sample size, but now we're rolling out to, to three years, and Kirk's basically been at 80 or above for basically all those years from a PFS standpoint. And if you break it down and look at quarterbacks that have been healthy through that to- that entire time frame, like Kirk is in the top tier of quarterbacks across PFF for people who played all those games. So how much more sample are you talking before you can I mean, it's okay because we all do it. Everyone is wrong all the time. You're allowed to say, like, information changes. My opinion will also change. The man (laughs) has been playing well and doing what he's been asked to do for quite some time. It's okay to say, like, I don't like Kirk Cousins the person necessarily, but I can also acknowledge that Kirk Cousins the player is doing his job well. And you but you, but that's not, very, that's not what you guys are asking me because if that's what you're asking me, I've said that time and time again. He is playing well. The, the conversation but, isn't about him yeah. playing well. We can all acknowledge on this live that he is playing well. The issue is, is not whether he's playing well. The issue is how sustainable is how he how he's performing right now. Because again, you can't years. just. So I'm, I'm asking you. I'm not throwing out the I'm asking game. you, when when do we stop game. talking about sustainable when it's been three years? It's been three years now. Since he came to Minnesota, he's played and, and, well and doing what, what they've asked him to do each of those years. Okay, and, and that's what I would say as well, too. You're talking about sustainable. Every single year, he has had multiple games like uh, Indy or Atlanta. Every single year. Every so, yes, player been, has bad games every season. So but, if you're, I'm not you're arguing, I'm not arguing that if every player has bad games. I'm arguing for you to, bad, to give him his very bad. Is that what you're thing, saying, even though? When even when he's performing well, even when he's performing well, those issues that I raised are still there. Yes. 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 He's the so same person, he, but he's playing so at he, a high level. So he, so you're you're let me just I just want to understand so that for you to give Kirk Cousins his props, he will basically need to play a perfect season and have none of the issues that you've ever criticized him for previously, at which point you could think about giving him props for playing okay. No, I think the issues that he have don't allow him to be a sustainable answer for this team. Which means he can what? play like he like he's going to play like he's going to play well. He has been playing well. I have said it over and over and over again. But I think his robotic nature, like 
he is not he's not a guy that I, I can trust with this offensive line, right? He's not like this this scramble ability that he's discovered, which is fantastic. That's not that's not something that I feel that he is just going to like, oh hey, I should run here. His ability to uh, truly diagnose what's going on against opposing defenses, like again, he is he's a robot. He takes what he's supposed to he takes what he's supposed to get. But outside of that, it's outside of that that creative that prowess that we want to have him uh, have within his his playability, it's just it's just not there. Can we can we get Jr's opinion on this? I would love to hear Jr. jump in a little bit. Just because, well, yeah, we obviously get Jr. in here because you know, we, we've been going like, we've been going at Yanka going at things pretty hard here. But like let let's let's mind it back. I want to keep, keep going at Yanka though. That's my thing. I want to yeah. keep going at Yanka. Right. I just want to. But get I would JR's like Jr. maybe to maybe for some for some more fuel to throw on this fire. Jr. Let's let's talk it back. Let's anchor it on something less kind of abstract, more concrete. When you watch the game on Sunday, Carolina. Minnesota, walk us through what you saw on film from both quarterbacks and what they were doing, what the defenses were trying to do to them, and how they performed in spite of what the defenses were doing uh, in the game on Sunday. Yeah, so I'll just start with Kirk. Kirk's playing really well, man. And I see where Yankee is coming from as far as, I mean, he has these high highs, but, I mean, his lows are really low. And what I mean by that is you don't really know what you're going to get from Kirk week in and week out. And he has these hot streaks of where he strings together four or five, six games. And then he just has that one stinker where he's just really, really bad. But I mean, I agree with what you were saying, Jason, bad games happen for everybody except Patrick Mahomes. He's just the one guy that just doesn't have bad games just because of how talented he is. But that's been my one big gripe with Kirk. You just don't know when that bad game is going to come. And as well as he played against Carolina last week, he might come out and throw for 150 yards and three interceptions against Jacksonville this Sunday. So that's my that's been my only gripe with Kirk Cousins, but we just haven't really seen that during this stretch of games that he's playing right now. And a lot of people are saying that he's discovered um, this ability of where he's just been able to create off script. And I think he has as far as he's improving on it, but I don't think it's sustainable. In my honest opinion, he's just had some situations of where he's been able to get out of and he's been able to create some things happening inside and outside of the pocket. But we know Kirk isn't the most nimble guy. It's just him of being more aware of where the sticks are and then just getting outside of the pocket a little bit more and just taking the green grass that's in front of him. I think that's a big improvement he has made this year. And I think the biggest difference from him this year as opposed to last year is those off-script plays of where he was just trying to get outside of the pocket. And when he got outside of the pocket, he would look down the field trying to see what was going on and try to make throws. But now he's looking for alleyways and then different avenues to where he can get outside the pocket and actually take off and run. That's a big difference you see from him this year as opposed to just getting his eyes up and trying to throw the ball um, outside the pocket. But let's give some credit to Gary Kubiak as well. Yeah, I mean, he's having to shoulder shoulder the load a little bit more this year too. Um, We don't have – well, I should say we don't have Justin Jefferson. He's a stud, absolutely, but – we don't have that natural separator like we did um, with <laughs> Stephon Diggs. But, I mean, Justin Jefferson has proven to be everything that we thought he could be. But Kirk has seemed to want to shoulder the load a little bit more. But I say let's give some credit to Gary Kubiak a little bit too just because he's yeah, kind of found that. that he's kind of found that fine line of keeping Kirk in a glass case in a sense and just breaking him out when we really need him. And it's been a Dalvin Cook show, and we've all complained about that. But Kubiak has seen like he understands the type of quarterback that Kirk is, and Kirk's playing really well this year. But 
I don't think he's a guy that can necessarily shoulder the load week in and week out in a sense. And he understands that. And he's just basically running Dalvin Cook into the ground. And whenever he needs Kirk Cousins, he breaks him outside of that glass case. And whenever Kirk has been called upon, I mean, he's delivered. I mean, I, I said it during the two-minute drill. I had no confidence it went, it, that we were going to score. I said that prior to that just because that's just what he's been. He's always known as that guy that's made that big mistake down the stretch or just had that key crucial fumble or turnover. But I think he's starting to overcome some of the things that we saw in previous years. And I think that was a big monkey off his back last week, uh, getting that two-minute drill and scoring in that. So, I mean, I'm kind of – the jury's still out for me with Kirk Cousins just because he always has these hot streaks of where he puts together good Octobers or good Novembers. But, I mean, down this back stretch, that's really where I'll judge him. And then, of course, if we end up making the playoffs, that's really where it does count. But, I mean, you say that, but he goes out and he plays really well against the Saints last year in the playoffs. So, um, he, he's a bit of a up and down roller coaster type of quarterback, but he he has that effect of where he just lows you in, lows you in, and you start to believe. And then he just has that one snicker game. He has that one snicker game, and then he puts together three to four really good games, and he lows you back in, and then he'll have that one snicker game. That's why I say he's just a roller coaster man. That just describes Kirk Cousins, but that just is it is who he is. And but he's playing real, he's playing some good ball right now. I will say that. I mean, the roller coaster, though, I feel like that's something we talked about, though. Like, if you don't have an elite quarterback, like if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you don't have Russell Wilson, you don't have Deshaun Watson, you don't have, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you kind of want that variance. You want the highs and lows because, like, you don't have an elite. You need the high highs. And with that, you're going to get the low lows. But if he was just playing kind of like safe, like last season, for instance, like, Every like he was playing safe, doing things the way he was supposed to. The lows weren't as low, but the highs weren't as high. And so, like, the output overall wasn't as good. So, like, Kirk isn't gonna become elite overnight. Like, he's not gonna do that. I have I, I don't foresee him overtaking Deshaun Watson or any of those guys who are ahead of him right now. So I feel like the ups and downs that we're getting are kind of what we want. We don't want him to go back in the shell. We want him to take the chances. And with those chances, we're going to get some really bad games with the hope that we get a hot streak when it counts, like Flacco or somebody else like that in the playoffs. And we can do something with that. The NFC isn't great this year. So with our offense and our ability our ability to score with everyone, Kirk playing you know that high variance, high roller coaster, that seems to be what we actually want from our team. So with us wanting that variance, you can't just take the high and say that you don't want the, the low. It doesn't work like that. You got to take both. Hmm. But Prince yeah, don't want I mean, it. <laughs> it's a smoother, it's a smoother co- roller coaster than it used to be, though. At least that's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But no, I want to I wanna segue into, into something that, that kind of got brought up that I, I was kind of talking about in the group chat. I think uh, Gary Kubiak. So we talk about uh, – in my honest opinion, I think Gary Kubiak's done a better job with this offense since Kevin Stefanski last year. And that's not me saying that Stefanski didn't do a great job and didn't help boost this team into a playoffs and obviously a playoff win against the New Orleans Saints. He was a, you know, a, a big reason he was able to get himself a head coaching job in, in Cleveland, and he's doing a, a pretty damn good job with the, a so-so Cleveland uh, Browns team who's 8-3, and three, um, running a similar offense that he ran last year. But one thing that I've noticed that – we didn't see last year under Stefanski that we're seeing under Kubiak. So Adam Thielen was out on Sunday, um, and this offense still hummed. They still got everybody involved uh, quite frequently. What we talked about the, this last night, 
what are the all what all four primary pass catchers got like had like seven receptions seven, or something like seven that receptions, yeah. which is which is impressive in itself but what else is impressive to me is what they didn't do what like so justin jefferson's playing the x receiver primarily in two receiver sets with adam Thielen on the field when and adam Thielen's playing the z and um but what we saw on sunday with adam without adam Thielen is they moved justin jefferson around even more than what we even saw when, when adam Thielen was around and that's something that we didn't see last year when Adam Thielen was out for half the season. They kept Diggs at the X receiver, and they let him stay as the primary deep threat, and they didn't move him around and, and creatively get him involved in the offense enough, in my opinion, from what I watched. And we saw on Sunday Gary Kubiak take that away and say, we're going to get Justin Jefferson involved in all different you know, various ways. And obviously that ties into uh, Chad Beebe, Ola B.C. Johnson, Kyle Rudolph, all those other guys. But – there were, it seemed like there was more creativity to get pass catchers involved than what we saw last year um, and from, from, what, from what, able, what I was able to see last year. Um, and then we talked about this last night too is Kirk Cousins in the passing game succeeded when the run game wasn't really there. And that's another thing that we didn't see much of this year. We haven't seen a lot of this year or under uh, this, you know, the last two seasons is when the run game's not working, everything crumbles. But if the pass game can start picking itself up if the run game can't always be there to support it or to, to, to drive the bus, that's when you're really going to see this team take off. And this team could really be a really good football team. I'm not saying that yet. That That's way too early. And I, I'm still in that, like, this team's still five and six. You know, there's still a long way to go, even if they want to try to make the playoffs. But I'm still in that, like, idea that if they can continue to progress the way they, they've had, they have, then making the playoffs shouldn't be a crazy idea that, that it was three or four weeks ago. So, 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 Prince, playoffs. Are we talking about if playoffs? We're, we're talking about playoffs. We're, we're flipping it here, so yeah, we're going to keep making the mad talking AC about these right playoffs. Now, which is crazy. But look at the NFC. So, I guess, Prince, if yeah, you're looking that. ahead at the teams in front of us, how many of these teams really – like, Eric told us last night that the only team kind of on this list ahead of the Vikings that would be favored by more than one score would probably be New Orleans. Everyone else would be, you know – a one score game, a close game, a game that could go really either direction. Is what are your thoughts on this as you kind of look at the rest of the season? Have the Vikings lulled you back into a place where you are maybe beginning to believe a little bit about, you know, maybe some things could happen. Maybe they go on a run. Maybe they get in the playoffs. And given how flat the NFC is, given how bad defenses are across the league, Maybe they can do some things, shock some folks, and make a bit of a run. Like, where are you at with that? Or are you still just very much like, eh, they're five and six. They need to win versus Jacksonville before I can really give a damn about what's going on with this team. I, I mean, that's that's where I'm at, Jason, is is they're a five and six team. I, I, I don't have a, an excitement around this team's prospects for this year. I think when they started one and five, I, I was pretty convinced on what this team was going to be. Um and that's okay. Like, I think they're going to be, they might finish eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. Um, and I think that's exactly the kind of team that they are. Uh, if they make it to the playoffs, I think they're probably going to win one game and then be out. Um, and I, and then it makes me question why all the winning, because I think that we still have some major holes on this defense. And, uh, or, and I <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I just don't, I don't see any prospects with this team moving forward. doesn't mean that 
I don't think that the future can be bright, but uh, it's just, I mean, Justin Jefferson is fantastic to watch. He's so much fun. Um, Dalvin Cook is still fun to watch. Uh, I just, and Irv Smith Jr., he's, he's been fun, but I just, I don't think this team is, is going to be a team that can compete really seriously uh, with those top teams. I still think that though we beat uh, Green Bay, I still think that they're a team that uh, we would struggle against in, in a playoff. Uh, a situation. I don't think we beat the Seahawks. I don't think we beat the Saints. Um, yeah, I would say maybe those top other teams you might uh, you might get by. You know, the Rams, you know, Arizona, all those teams at the t- towards the bottom, Giants. Um, but I I just don't think that this is a, this is a football team that I'm getting lulled back into. I know I know who they. I'm I'm Denny Green. I, I know exactly who we thought they were. So, Bring me the okay. NFC East. Bring me the NFC East. That's what we need. <laughs> hey, hey, listen here, man. I'm looking at this schedule. Might make the playoffs, fellas. That's what I'm saying. Actually, like, yeah. the the worst part hey. about this right now is they're getting me in a situation to think that they should. And what did I, I I've said it under Mike Zimmer, they're an every other year team. So if they somehow make the playoffs this year, it, I'm, it's debunked. It's over. He's a he's the the Vikings coach for life. I mean. Hey, and we stink. We stink at home. Three of these last five are on the road. So we play. When have we ever said that the Vikings are better on the road than at home? That's crazy. So what happens when you have no fans, man. Got a young team. (laughs) Um, So our road games are at Tampa, at New Orleans, at Detroit. So I'm we'll we'll lose at Tampa most likely, but. We said the same thing about going to Green Bay. Stranger things have happened. Get pressure on Brady. Um, New Orleans, I'm not a believer in Taysom Hill. We should be able to beat New Orleans. Um, Detroit, we always beat Detroit. Uh, so, hey, man, I'm just saying, if we go 4-1 and one down this backstretch, it would not surprise me. So, JR, I got a question oh, for you about, you know, that Tampa game, because that's one that we talked about a little bit yesterday. And Flip's hey, been Andrew very got some takes, man. These are great. <laughs> We got to get Andrew on the show. Uh, how would you attack Tampa with the personnel the Vikings have? On, when we're on offense, how would you go at this Tampa team? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? 
Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our solo acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. I haven't watched the coaches film of Tampa, but from I mean from an offensive standpoint, obviously you want to get pressure on Brady, but the thing that just worries you about the Tampa is they have so many weapons, man. They have Tony O'Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. And I mean, there's just so many things that they can do. Uh, so you if you want to get pressure on Brady, you're gonna have to play man covers, but it's just so scary just because you have these young corners. And then they have so many weapons that can kill you. So I think it's a similar game plan as he used against Atlanta um, when they were trying to stop or slow down Julio. You just have to pick your poison. Um, I think Gladney can slow down Antonio Brown a little bit, but I don't I don't know how much. But I would rather let Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin beat me as opposed to Mike Evans. So um, it's just kind of one of those situations of where you got to pick your poison. You're not going to be able to stop all those guys, but I think they could use a similar. A game plan as Zimmer used to use with the Xavier Rose trying to beat up that big, bigger body receiver. But the bad part about it is we don't have uh, that big physical corner on the outside uh, anymore. So Damn, it's just a matter of get sandwiches and put them in the weight room. That needle. Dancler, Dancler's not a starter, man. You want Dancler as your number three corner. He's just so thin, man. He, he He's a really good number three corner. I think they're going to have to draft somebody. Um, this class, they, they need one more starter on the outside. I think Gladney, he'll be fine in the slot or the outside. I think I like that they're cross-training him a little bit this year. I think he's going to end up being a good player, but I think they need one more guy on the outside because they're playing with they're playing with special team guys on the outside right now. And I know uh, Chris Boyd is playing well, but he's not a starter, man. And I think um, 29, his last name is like Jones or something like that. He's playing well right now, but these are special teams dudes that Zimmer's getting production out of. So um, I think they need one more starter on the outside, but I think the secondary they're playing they're playing some good ball right now. Um, as far as what Zimmer is asking them to do, just kind of slowing people down a little bit. They're going to have some hiccups here and there, but Gladney's going to be really good, man. He's gotten so much better the past few weeks. Um, Dantzler just needs reps, but I just worry about his weight and then just him staying healthy. That's always going to be an uphill battle for him just because he's so thin. So I think they need one more guy on the outside. They'll be fine. Speaking of the corners playing well, uh, Yinka, can you assess Teddy Bridgewater's game on on Sunday? Can can since <laughs> since we wouldn't we couldn't go the whole way around? Teddy can can bad. you at least say that Kirk Cousins soundly outplayed your man Teddy Bridgewater in the game on Sunday? He about to hit you with a yeah, but and that possibly Kirk is just a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. Absolutely, Kirk Cousins played better than Teddy Bridgewater in certain aspects of the game. Yep. There it is. There it is. What I say? <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. The yeah, but. Mm. Who's the better quarterback? Uh, right now, Kirk Cousins. Okay. How about last year? Uh, when Teddy wasn't playing? Would that probably be Kirk Cousins too, then? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins was better than Colt McCoy and Mike Lennon. I mean, you right. So, year before last, so last three years, who's been the better quarterback? 
I mean, I would I would hope the quarterback who's playing is the better quarterback. But I mean, again, if that's our standard, then yeah. No, just in this comparison, because you know you you've been holding water for the one that got away. I'm just trying to trying to get you locked in to saying that the quarterback you have is better than the one you don't. Child, it's not just me. I mean, look at Mike Zimmer. He's still holding that water. So he caressed Teddy very, uh, very soundly. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. Let me stop messing with Yinka and let's spin this thing forward. The Vikings got a game. It's Jacksonville. But, you know, as we said, going uh, you know, into the game against Dallas, like we, we felt very confident going into that one, too. Uh, you know, Vegas liked us a lot going into that game, and uh, well, we saw how that one went. So, you know, JR, talk to me about this matchup. The Vikings look like they should run through this this Jacksonville team, who I can't really tell if they're tanking or not tanking. Like, they seem to be trying real hard, but just losing all the games. What are your thoughts on how this game is going to go down? And are there any players on this Jaguars roster, especially on their offense, that really scare you based on the fact that our defense is very shaky at times? As far as guys that scare me, they don't really have any, honestly. Um, they like to incorporate LaVisca Chenault quite a bit, but I think he's been banged up a little bit over the past few weeks or so. I'm not even sure if he played the past few weeks, but he's the one guy they've been incorporating a lot. They have a talented running back, uh, James Robinson, but He's not one of those super dynamic guys that scares you as far as a pass catcher out of the backfield or anything of that nature. So, uh, I mean, it all comes down to creating pressure and getting home with four. I don't think there's a situation where you need to amp up the pressure against Mike Glennon. If we can't get pressure and just fluster Mike Glennon, then we have some deeper issues if we allow him to carve us up. So um, they should be able to get home with four. Um, they have an okay offensive line for the most part. Uh, Cam Robinson, Jawan Taylor, they're middle of the road type tackle. So I think it's a situation of where they should be able to confuse them a little bit. And I'm sure Zimmer will have some plenty. He'll have plenty of blitz packages ready for him. Um, but as far as their defense, I mean, we should be able to have our way with them. They don't have anything that really scares you a whole bunch um, on any level, honestly. But this is the game that kind of reminds me of that Bills game a couple of years ago where we were super confident. And then Josh Allen just had his way with us. And, of course, they don't have a runner like Josh Allen. But just talking about how the Vikings were heavy heavy favorites in the game and they just simply didn't show up, it wouldn't surprise me if we do end up having a performance like that. But, I mean, Jacksonville's kind of packed it in, man. They just GM just got fired. They don't have a lot of belief in the head coach. They're on the third quarterback. So the Vikings should win it. Handily, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is one of those games that ends up being, you know, a last-second field goal or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes either way. Yinka, Jacksonville, Minnesota. How you feeling about this game? What do you think we're going to see from this team? The Vikings going to be 500 coming out of this with, you know, you know, all the graphics. Fox, everybody got us there. We're in the hunt for the playoffs. Are we going to continue down that road in Jacksonville or, or do you see things maybe, you know, swerving and, and us getting a wreck? Y'all, I was so mad when Fox put up the graphic when I think we were like three and five that we were still in the hunt. I was I mean, so the NFC is terrible. <laughs> I mean, it is, but I was just, I was so angry. Uh, but as far as this game goes, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't play really well. I did pick up my Glenn from my fantasy team. So I'm kind of hoping that the game is somewhat close. 
So times uh, are hard then. Yeah, it it is hard. It is very, very hard. I'm I'm sneaking just into the playoffs. So but I don't think the Vikings should have any issues with um with beating Jacksonville unless, you know, y'all's man, Kirk Cousins, you know, he maybe he'll have his Super Bowl MVP type game this game. Or maybe not. We'll see. Okay. So maybe something will happen in a football team. Breaking news mm-hmm. from the one Saxy Prince. And last but not least, Miles, my man. I mean, you, you were pretty you definitive in how you felt this game should go yesterday. But, like, you know, with a bit of time and space, are you still feeling as confident about it? Or uh, They you know? should beat the f- out of this team. That, that's it. <laughs> Family-friendly family friendly show. But, hey, full stop. Like, anymore, that's what man. it is. Like, I know. <laughs> you should have heard me last night. Um, no, for real, though. They should – like, they – we talked about this last night. I know uh, Eric talked about like the Jags aren't, I guess, quote unquote, as bad as like their one in ten record. That team's still bad, and this team should not lose to that team. Like, if this team can hang with teams like Seattle and Tennessee and and do all that, this team should not lose to a team like Jacksonville. I'm not saying that it won't or can't happen. They should not lose to that team, and it shouldn't be close. But will I be surprised if it if Mike giraffe glennon like beats us no i guess i won't be surprised but because nothing will surprise me but i guess at the same time i'd be more like what the hell if they lost they shouldn't just disappointed all right i'm no longer disappointed i'm no longer disappointed they can't hurt you anymore huh no not this season all right Raymond's calling out the O-line. Does Jacksonville have anyone on the D-line who can put pressure on this O-line? Yannick, so. nope. Calais, nope. nope. Josh Allen. Nope. Josh Allen. Okay. But, mm. but our tackles yeah, handle I mean, they drafted. Well. Yeah, they do. They drafted Chase on, but he's playing bad. He's been awful this year. Okay. I think he might be like PFF's last ranked edge rusher this year. He's been that bad. It wasn't like the 20th overall pick. Yeah. All right. Well, we made it. Mostly optimism, positive takes. Yinka still, you know, true to his heritage, stubborn as ever, never moving on his position, would expect would expect nothing less. JR, it is good to see you. Before we get up out of here, is there anything that you have on deck, anything that people should be looking for? You got the podcast. Obviously, you got your work at Draft Network. What's uh, What what you working on these days, man? Uh, I have a couple articles coming out over the next two days. I'm talking about some quarterback play. Then also, I got a player interview with the HBCU player named David Moore uh, from Grammar. He was just – they just accepted his invitation to the Senior Bowl, so – uh, sat down and talked with him, talked about highlighting some HBCUs, and he just gives some advice on some players that are in a similar situation as him of how they can make it out of HBCU ball as well. So really fun interview. So be on the lookout for that on Friday. Dope. And thank you, Andrew. Miles. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. What up? When are you picking up your PlayStation? Do you get it yet? Is it in your hands? Yeah, I got my PlayStation, but I can't. I don't get to play it until Christmas because the wife said okay. – that thing mm-hmm. isn't getting open till Christmas. So I said, you're the boss. Okay. 
Thank you, Raymond. Thanks for coming through. And last but hey, not ask, least. Ask Prince, ask, ask Prince the same question, though. Yeah, Prince, did you get your hands on your PlayStation? <laughs> JR got the plug, so you know JR got one. So now, uh, now we know why Prince is really so smart. still got dust on it. <laughs> <laughs> JR got time to play video games? Can you watch all 22 on the PS5? He doesn't sleep, though, so. Also true. So I'll, I'll get mine in June. Next June, <laughs> I'm gonna wait. We're gonna be a Nintendo Switch family this 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 December. <laughs> I got I got the Nintendo Switch too, though. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, that's it. That's all. Viewers, thanks for chilling. Listeners, thanks for listening. And uh, David, the man in the truck, take it away. We can't hear you, David, but you look very animated. <laughs> That's because I gotta hit the mute button or the other. There we button. go. There you go. Hey, I wanted to thank everybody that's joined us tonight. It's been a great show. And from now on, Jason, can you guys, Yinka, Miles, Jr., can you promise me that we'll do climb in the pocket live in the future? This is great. We'll do. It. We'll do it. Of we course, can. we'll do it. We can. Sweet. Oh, yeah. I want to thank everybody for watching Vlogmas Day 2. Vlogmas is where we go video, and this for, case for Climbing the Pocket Live every day of December. Thanks for watching. Tell your friends, especially if they're Vikings friends, but even if they're not, bring them on over. And for you women, of course, we've got the one and only Saxy Prince. Come check it out. <laughs> He's got no PS5. He's got time. He's got time. Yeah, and look and at he's them got eyes. The twist, man. He's yeah. ready. Absolutely. <laughs> and join us tomorrow night as we've got another show scheduled at 9 p.m. Eastern. And until then, school. Play the music. Play the music. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Goal, everybody. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.